promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm not much of a gardener. I never have been. I never will be. I, I'm basically the one you call on to pick up the shovel to dig the hole. And that's about it. And I, and I can pick up rocks and, and get rid of those as well. Watering, maybe, but my wife doesn't really trust me with that because I tend to probably put too much water. Anybody do that before? You, you're watering the plants in the house and then suddenly you have a mess all over the floor because you didn't realize that the container didn't hold. It uh, wasn't able to hold as much water as you thought it could uh, harvesting. We used to have a garden. Uh, that was the kids' job. Uh, I'm not very good at it, plus I just really didn't want to do it, so we'd send them out, give them something to do outside. But the thing is, is that my wife is very good at all these things. She is good with our plants indoors. She's good when, we, when we've had the garden. She's, she's been phenomenal with the landscaping at our house. Uh, in, our, in our previous house down by Northfield in Lonsdale, we had this dwarf rose bush that she got as a present, I think from her sister or her mom. And it has the little, beautiful little roses on it. And it, it started out as, as this little tiny plant. And every year, my wife would go out with her little snippers, her little pruning uh, shears, and she'd prune the thing. She'd cut it back. It would look horrible. Look almost dead. And then the next spring, kaboom, to the point that this thing got massive. It got huge, to the point that when we moved up north, we were even debating about digging the thing up and, and bringing, it, bringing it with us. But unfortunately, it was one of the selling points of the house. But you'd, you'd look at this plant, and she was doing more than just deadheading, right? Like normally with deadheading, we'd take some of those, those, those ugly little uh, shriveled up flowers off of, the, off of the plant so that it would be able to put its energy towards making new blooms. Uh, this was shearing back, cutting back, 
making some strategic decisions. We used to do the same thing with our crabapple tree that we had in the front yard and this other tree that I have no clue what it is. It had green leaves. That's, that's all I know. But we, we would trim it up to make it so that it would form the tree in the way we, we wanted to do. Plus, the bigger tree, I'd have to hack off limbs because I got tired of hitting my head on them when I have to go under them to, to mow the lawn. But every one of those cuts, whether it be the rose bush or, or the crabapple tree, you're causing damage to the plant. In some ways, almost harming the plant. But what ends up happening is that it reroutes the energy of that plant. It reroutes it so that then now the energy of the plant, instead of going into making seed heads and so that, so that more plants would be produced, it goes back into growing, getting bigger, needing to, to, to get stronger, to put up with all of that damage that you're doing to it every year. But it also prepares it for resting, for being dormant during winter, for having that rest time to become stronger. It's the same thing with working out, lifting weights, exercise. You, when you're exercising, you're, you're picking up things and putting them down kind of a stuff. You're, you're tearing muscle fibers. And then your body, through the healing process, fuses those muscle fibers. They get bigger, you get stronger, and then eventually you have to pick up heavier things and put them down. And the same thing happens over and over again. Damage happening to your body so that you can become stronger, become better, become, become faster. And that's part of the reason why rest is important. We, we have that phrase, no pain, no gain. But we, we, but we need to have rest as well so that our bodies can recover, our bodies can, can be ready for, for the next task to come, that next uh, work uh, of tearing ourselves apart that we might become even more strong. Well, the Gospel of John is this kind of a gospel. It's the gospel of pruning. It's the gospel of strength training. It's, it's this, this gospel that picks up where all the other gospels left off. And everything that John has in his gospel is always uh, building upon whatever was taught about Jesus before. But it's the sense of pruning, the sense of the work of God upon us to transform us. And sometimes it might not go as well as we thought it would be. It's you know, John 3. We hear those words, you must be born again. And we kind of like those words, born again, born from above. But Jesus is speaking to us, telling us, it's more than something that I can do. Someone has to come along and do this work in me. In John 6, we have Jesus with his incredible, his incredible uh, church shrinkage sermon where he does the feeding of the 5,000, and then he tells them about what the feeding of the 5,000 was about, that he's the bread of life, come down from heaven. And then he says to them, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within you. And everybody leaves, except for the 12. And it's at that point that Peter finally says something smart, because Jesus asks them, are you going to leave too? And they, that's when Peter says those words that uh, we just sang just a little bit ago. Uh, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life, Peter says. John 8, we have Jesus showcasing himself as the God of the Old Testament, where he says, before Abraham was, I am, saying that there at the very beginning of time, Jesus was. At the burning bush, Jesus was the I am, the God of all creation telling us that he's more than just a nice guy. He's more than just a great teacher coming to us, saying that he is God himself speaking to us. John 10, we just had this last week with the Good Shepherd, telling us that we're sheep and we need someone to guide us. John 11 with Lazarus, 
It's always a beautiful story, but we always gloss over the fact that Jesus says Lazarus needs to die so Jesus can do his work, allowing pain to come to that family and to Lazarus. And now we have John 15. Vine and branches and, and pruning and, and all these other things coming to us. Where, where, where if Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the foundation that has been laid, John becomes the, the house. He becomes the walls. He becomes the roof. He becomes those sorts of things that are being built upon that foundation so that there's some structure, some home for us to dwell in. And with that building process, John also makes it very clear, especially here in, in John 15, as Jesus is speaking to us to tell us that that building process, that work, that pruning, involves blood, blood sweat, and, and tears. And Jesus highlights this in the very first verse when he says, I am the true vine, where he says that, that I'm the anchor, I'm the location, I am where you are to abide, where you are to make your home. There is no other vine but me, he says. And then he adds to that and says, well, the Father is gardener. He's the vine grower. He's the vine dresser. He's the worker. He's the hands-on one doing the work in your life and in mine all the time. That he's the one working in us to produce this fruit, to prune us back, causing us maybe a little bit of pain every now and then that we might grow and become stronger. And part of this God work includes the removal of some things too, right? He says here, he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Dead branches, dead weight. And this should worry us. It should worry us. There are those people in Christ, maybe me, maybe you, who need a good pruning more than others. Even those that feel they're okay. We need to hear the words from Christ when he tells us to stay awake, to be alert, and he does it quite often. Because it's more than just a one-time deal going to the baptismal font and being done. Because I was thinking about this text and I was reminded of our baptismal promises that we make as parents to our children. And in the old service book and hymnal, it says, Since in Christian love you present this child for holy baptism, I charge you that you diligently and faithfully teach him the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, and that as he grows in years, you place in his hands the Holy Scriptures, bring him to the services of God's house, and provide for his instruction in the Christian faith, that abiding, abiding in the covenant of his baptism and in communion with the church, he may be brought up to lead a godly life until the day of Jesus Christ. And then later on, for those of you who had the service book, as part of your baptismal rite, it was probably used for confirmation as well. And you affirmed these promises as your own. And the same thing goes for, for our old green hymnal, the LBW. The, the text is basically the same. And in the ELW, our current hymnal, it adds to it to live with them among God's faithful people. Bring them to the word of God and the Holy Supper. Nurture them in faith and prayer so that your children may learn to trust God, pro proclaim Christ through word and deed, care for others in the world God made, and work for justice and peace. This place where our baptismal promises meet our life in Christ, that we might grow, that we might become stronger, that we might become bigger in our faith, to bloom with the fruit of that faith. Because later on in verse 6, it says that God comes along and whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned, which can be a, a struggle. It can be a problem for us. 
but it's it's painted for us as this uh, as this image for us of realizing that those that that fit into that category are the ones that are not abiding in him that so often we want a different vine we want a different way We think we can live without the vine that has been given to us. And so we try and find another vine. And yet Christ here, he's speaking to us in those moments when we feel that we are the dead branches. Or maybe we don't know that we are and we need to be reminded because he tells us you've already been cleansed. It's the same similar word as being pruned, being cut back and at That cleansing comes by the word, he says, spoken to you. Something outside of us. Where God has to come in and do this thing for us. We can try and do it ourselves. But God says, no, that's my my work. And God has a better way, a different way for us. And sometimes it's nowhere near the way that we thought it would be. In our house, we have a, a Christmas cactus that my wife has just, she's nurtured the thing and it goes nuts. She's had to divide it a few times. I used to have one here in my office. At faith, and I had to take it home because it wasn't getting enough sun, uh, as well as was left with me, and I, I can't take care of plants. Um, but my wife knows something about herself. She knows that there's someone else in her life who's better at taking care of plants than she is, and it's her mom. She learned everything from her mom, but her mom is even better. So when her mom comes to visit us or to stay with us like she did a couple of weeks ago when we were on vacation, she, she was counted on as the one who would take care of the plants, who would feed them, who would prune them, who would do those things. And, and anytime she shows up, eventually it, it turns out well. But my wife knows that there's someone who does things better, does things in a different way, in a better way than she does, and is able to care for those plants in the way that is needed to be. It's the same way with us and God. And here God calls to us and he says, part of that work then is to trust him and trusting him by abiding in him, remaining in him, making a home in him, not in ourselves, not in other branches, not not in other vines, but in him. And the struggle for us is that it might not be fun sometimes. It may hurt sometimes, but the benefits outweigh some of those pains. You can take the time later on today, make a list for yourself. What are things in your life that you thought made life worth living? What are those things in your life that you saw as if you didn't have this, life would be very, very bad? Was it a job that maybe you lost that job or, or you retired and suddenly now there's this struggle of finding some purpose? Or maybe it's in retirement. Maybe retirement has become harder for you because you're sitting here having to watch the stock market and you're, you're not able to do all the things that you thought you could. Maybe it's in your spouse because they're not going or doing the things that you, you want them to. Your kids. I have way too many friends who are now empty nesters whose marriages have broken up because all of their life of their marriage was in their kids rather than in their spouse. And so once the kids were gone, what was left? Maybe it's your hobbies, maybe it's travel, whatever it might be. Those things may need a pruning. COVID kind of did that. It came along and found those things that we had left our life in, we put our life there, and we discovered that that was a rotting vine. And sometimes pruning has to come in God in that way, through a disease, through an injury, through a loss in your life. 
Martin Luther talks about it this way, that when we come to the scriptures, when we come to the text, in order for someone to become a theologian, which all of us should want to be theologians, to understand and know God better, better he, he says that first we have to read the text and, and pray over it, and we have to meditate on it. And then we have to struggle. Tentatio is the word that he uses in Latin. It's, it's, it's where we get the word tension from. But it's this, this essence of pain of hardship, of temptations, of trials, of things that come upon us that are hard, that hurt, that we can't better understand the scriptures or God unless those things come upon us. And that is where the Christian life is. We, we lie between two bookends, bookends our, our baptism and our death. And that is where we have to have our anchors to hold. The promises that were given at baptism so that when death comes, we're able to stand. And we're not dead branches, but we're ones that have bared the fruit of faith, bared the fruit of repentance. Because it's in those, those bookends that, that we find ourselves alone with God. And that's it. At our baptism, people bring us there. But when we are washed in that water, it is God doing that work upon us. God alone. Not the pastor, not our parents, just us and God. And then when we are on our deathbed, because that is... Those bookends, right? The norm in the Lutheran church is, is a baby and then death. When we're on our deathbed, we have to hold on to those promises given to us. And, and this is where we have to live between those bookends because here Jesus even tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we hold on to those anchors so that when we get to that point on that bed where we will breathe our, our last breath, all those times between those bookends of the tentatio, the struggle, the pain, that pruning. It's this work of building up our faith that we might trust in God alone. And then from that comes love, comes good works, comes whatever may through the Spirit working in us. But first and foremost, we need that vine to cling to. So church today, what sort of things are God? What, what sort of things is God cutting back? Or what are some things that God needs to cut back, and you know He does, and you are afraid that He will? Because He comes for those things not to punish you, but to grow you, to nurture you. Because that is His joy. It says that what glorifies Him is that we bear much fruit and become Jesus' disciples. Allow him to come in and do those things so that the fruits of faith might grow, that you might desire to learn from Christ more, that you might cling to the vine who is Christ and allow the gardener who is God the Father to do his work in you. Because he's going to do it. He's going to do it. But knowing that we must rely on those two things, the vine and the gardener, is the way that we make it from those two bookends so that we are grown through those prunings so that God might be all things for us. With that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.